Welcome to Freight Waves Live and Events Podcast. I am Tim Dooner, and this is the show where we bring you back to past Freight Waves events, take you inside of upcoming events, and capture the moments and keynotes from top thought leaders in logistics, freight tech, business, and media. Today, we're taking a Freight Waves flashback to Freight Waves Live Chicago in November of 19, where Brian Yormack, partner at Story Ventures, and Chris Thomas, co-founder and president at Detroit Mobility Labs, talk mobility, mo problems. Listen in as they dive deep on the future of mobility and how that will impact investing and logistics. But first, I'm excited to announce that Fox Sports broadcaster and Dancing with the Stars co-host Aaron Andrews will be a featured keynote at the biggest event in freight, Freight Waves Live Atlanta, May 5th and 6th. Freight Waves Live Atlanta is the championship game of freight. This is the premier freight conference of the year, and it's coming back to Hotlanta. With every new event, the pressure is on to make it bigger and greater than the one before, and this year will be no different. We'll feature quick-fire demos of the latest technology, inspiring keynote presentations from industry and business leaders, and a smorgasbord of influencers, investors, and supply chain experts to keep attendees on the cusp of the latest trends and factors impacting the freight industry in 2020. And don't forget that live set. I'll be up there. Data-driven discussions and presentations will provide deep insight into current, near-term, and forward-looking trends that are shaping the freight and logistics market. When the daily sessions end, you'll also have evenings to network and connect with leading minds in the industry and engage with your peers or see everything that Atlanta has to offer. Our industry is becoming increasingly digitized and speed, efficiency, safety, and communication strategies are improving every day. FreightWaves Live Atlanta will showcase the technologies and services that use data to project and monitor the freight markets. Regardless of the role you play in supply chains, you can expect to come away from this experience energized and informed to tackle the biggest challenges facing our industry. Go to FreightWaves.com, click on events, book your tickets now, and I'll see you there. And now for our featured session, Brian Yormack, Chris Thomas, Mobility, Mo Problems. The title of our session is Mo Mobility, Mo Problems or Not. These are the questions I know why you come to Freight Waves to, to solve. So we're going to do our best. I think we're going to get to an answer. Uh, I'm Chris. Uh, and I'm Brian Yormack. And I'll kick it off just to give a bit of context on myself. So I'm one of the founding partners of Story Ventures. It's a New York City-based venture capital firm focused on what we consider to be the data stack. So everything from creation of data to organization of data to application. And I had the privilege of previously being at a firm called Fontenelle's Ventures, in which Chris was one of the founders. Um, sadly, I haven't seen him in a little while, so I'm going to selfishly use this as a, as a bit of time to catch up. So uh, uh, how are the kids? They're good. They're getting big. <laughs> uh, and I'm Chris Thomas. I'm the co-founder and president of Detroit Mobility Lab. We are uniquely focused on creating the talent infrastructure we're going to need in Detroit for the future of mobility, with the thesis being that before the automotive industry, there was no automotive engineer. Before the aeronautics in- industry, there was no aeronautics engineer. We need a new type of engineer in the mobility context that has backgrounds in robotics, connectivity, electrification, computer science. And we're building that in Detroit. We're also creating a corporate ecosystem And we have a big announcement to make on stage today with regard to a nodal opportunity in North America that we believe will be the most active and the most exciting when it comes to how corporates can engage with the mobility startups investment as well as just overall just excitement. And so I'd love to discuss that just a bit. So I think the idea of re-education is an emerging trend. One of the things is that there's a really long time horizon to that, right? It takes a while to bring those people together and then build up the base and get people up to speed. So what does it actually take to get this done? 
So we started by what is the talent that's going to be necessary in the future of mobility. So earlier this year, myself and my colleague Jessica Robinson with BCG did an analysis of what will be the amount of people, men and women, that we will need within electrification and autonomy just in the North American market. And that pencils out to about 125,000 people. Right now we have 5% of that number that's naturally matriculating over the next 10 years to auto and mobility broadly. So give me any marketplace in which there's that much of a disparity between demand and supply and we will create value. And then second, we went to what are the types of backgrounds that we're going to need. So we surveyed you know, upwards of 100 different private, public, and educational um, CEOs, founders, and professors saying, who are you producing, why are you producing them, and what's the demand pull from a company perspective? And we really centered on these four degree types from a master's degree, robotics, electrification, connectivity, and computer science. And we're going to be working with Wayne State in downtown or midtown Detroit, uh, offering the first uh, mobility master's degrees in the world at the Center for Advanced Mobility. So think of this as a Carnegie Mellon robotics, but focused uniquely on mobility backgrounds. The other side of the, of the coin is the trades. So we spend a lot of time thinking about um, the things that many of you in this room think about every day. Right now, we are going to be, over the next 20 years, looking at the first time in human history when individuals who started with a career in, as a truck driver, heavy truck across North America, will, many of them will not have that job um, when they're 20 years from now. Um, how do we actually start to train and think about the types of professions that we're going to you know, require around the management of autonomous, electrified, urbanized fleet, around dialing in sensor suites, around looking at the maintenance of those vehicles, much will be, which will be vertically integrated, but we wanted to start there because we thought it was incredibly important that we understood what the need was. And then we, we partnered with a university in Detroit that really allowed us to be a true partner. Academia is not known for being uh, very fast. And we, over the last 10 months now, have not only partnered with our Board of Governors, President, Provost, and the Head of Engineering, but stood up the Center for Advanced Mobility, are going to be starting these degree programs next year, and are working with corporates around the world who are eager to hire these individuals in Detroit and around the world. It's fascinating. And when you think about bringing these groups of people together, what are some of the complexities that you have to handle? I know historically dealing with some of the OEMs, the tier ones, that hasn't necessarily been the most collaborative ecosystem at yeah. times. So, uh, hopefully people agree. So uh, I, <laughs> I, I think, so over the course of the last year, as we focused uniquely on talent, I spent a little bit of time in Berlin and Munich. And there's a variety of organizations there that are looking across mobility holistically, uh, rail, ground, uh, sea, and different ways in which they can have efficiencies through technology into their programming. Um, what we found in kind of leveraging there, and again, you know, Europe is not a, a hotbed of of uh, you know, entrepreneurial activity and mobility necessarily yeah. relative to the United States or other major fields. But what they are doing really well is they're sharing uh, their lessons learned in technology about how they're going to move forward. So I think in the United States what we found and what we're building in Midtown, um, and this will be something we're building alongside the Center for Advanced Mobility, will be the first node in the world, but especially in North America, which incorporates corporates, investors, entrepreneurs, sovereign states, and anyone that's looking at mobility broadly. And I want to take a moment to talk about what is mobility. You know, we define this as the movement of goods, people, and provisioning of services across air, land, and sea, every spatial region. And so we're looking at major global OEMs, tier ones, freight tech, entrepreneurial companies and mobility, and everyone that wants to make sure they're just colliding in one space at the former Cadillac Showplace in Midtown Detroit. This is a six-story building that will be adjacent to our campus for the Center of Advanced Mobility in which we will have corporates from around the world um, with a focus on the North American and the European marketplace coming together to look at how do we find innovation, how do we invest in innovation, what are the companies we should be partnering with and, uh, and acquiring, 
and how do we do this in, a, in an electric location, you know, both figuratively and truly, um, rather than having disparate you know, sojourns that all of you are making uh, to the San Francisco's and to the Tel Aviv's of the world. We're all going to continue to make those trips. But where in North America do we come together in which there is an opportunity for us to, to get incredible intel and create incredible value? That's what we're building, and this will be starting or open, I should say, in Q1 of next year. And, and when you think about the value of mobility, you've been spending a large portion of your career in this space now. What do you see or what gets you most excited about getting to what this future looks like? Jeez, I think there's, well, I have two boys. One's four and one's one. And I often say I believe this is a multi-generational opportunity when we think about the way in which mobility is going to pervade every aspect and the types of companies and value that all of you are creating by being at this conference and thinking about this sub-segment of mobility, but also at all the different types of technologies that are going to come out as we think about truly curated experiences going from A to B, where it's not just about optimizing a mode and a price, but it's about optimizing the fact that in going from those two places, you need to pick up a birthday cake and an umbrella. And how do you understand the skews on every building on the way there? And how do you ensure that you're taking the optimized route based on your own personal mobility utility? That gets me really excited. The thing that I think excites me the most is when I talk with large C-suites, corporates, investors, there's lots of things they're looking at. What's the lens as to why they're doing what they're doing? But if we can truly invest in the types of men and women from a talent perspective, in the companies that are creating this value, and the ecosystems that we need, we're going to give people back their most precious commodity, their time. And if we have the ability to get someone home a half an hour faster, if we have ROI that's immediate based on new technologies from a ship tech perspective, our ability to actually give people what they really want while still creating value is something that I get really excited about. Yeah. And it sounds like you think kind of to, uh, labor is one of the, the massive bottlenecks here within this market. Outside of labor, what do you see as the other bottlenecks that exist within this market to move forward in terms of mobility and efficiency? I think there's a lot of trepidation on the part of C-suites for established companies in general for moving forward with new technologies and new entrepreneurs, and with good reason. Um, how you spend your balance sheet, where you're investing, moving away from known systems, things that don't come naturally necessarily. Uh, I think an, not a, maybe an inability, but a, a lack of a focus on let's do pilots. Let's find something that I'm interested in, but I'm not, I'm not willing to completely tear up my proprietary systems. But let's actually do pilot projects with young companies and then make clear yes or no decisions. Let's run after something for three months and not let you know, the failure of no's just let all these things build up and there's just no direction as to how we're partnering. But make clear decisions as to what you're going to do in earnest. Test it out on your systems. There's something there, great. Partner, acquire. If there's not, cut it, move on to the next thing. Yeah. But I think that spirit of entrepreneurialism, and last but not least, I think, for those of you that are from the C-suite or in large companies in this space, finding individuals in your companies that truly have that entrepreneurial mindset and want to do that within a large corporate. And that's hard to do in general, just given the natural you know, ways in which those the structures are built. Um, but we're starting to see those things break down you know, ex in an exciting way for me in terms of where companies are going and their ability to get there faster. Yeah. And so for the entrepreneurs in the room, maybe, how do you think about how they should be targeting businesses, right? Should they be targeting SMBs, mid-market, large enterprise? Obviously, there's not one that fits all, but how do you think about, especially within this market, which is a little bit more legacy, how do you think about creating a business in this space? I think the answer is yes, you should be targeting all of those. <laughs> um, but to your point, I think it's how do you separate the wheat from the shaft and finding 
an enterprise client that really wants to partner with you and is, is serious about how they're going to spend your time. For the entrepreneurs, you have to be very careful. Your time is your most precious commodity. And there's lots of individuals in every part of the ecosystem who will bleed you dry, who are more than happy to say, give me one more report or come back in three months or uh, you know, let's work on this project and you can do it for free, right? You don't mind. Um, making sure that you're finding people that are really eager about innovation, that want to work with you, and that you just, you know, you can look across them eye to eye as men and women and say, I'm excited about working with you. Because this business at the end of the day is this. You know, it's, business isn't something ha- that happens in a boardroom at the top of the tower. It's something that should happen on the ground talking to people about what they're excited about and how they can bring value. Yeah. I think Freight Waves is, you know, we got to make fun of Craig at least once while we're up here. <laughs> but I think Freight Waves is a great example of that, you yeah. know, in terms of a company that is just tenacious in building out a new segment and really providing tremendous value to a whole sector of mobility. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, wait, I have to ask you a question. Uh, Brian and I worked together for two years, and so he had to put up with this a lot. Um, but you are doing amazing things uh, with your new venture in New York. Uh, you have a very, I believe, a unique way in which you're kind of focused on the intersection of hardware and software. You should talk a little bit about like why that's exciting to you, what that thematic means to this group yeah. um, from this perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... For us, I I was able to spend a lot of time with autonomous vehicles in particular, and to me, one of the big insights was that there were kind of three technologies converging all at the same time. And so in the lens of an autonomous vehicle, the way it works is that you have sensors that capture data. So for a vehicle, it's camera, radar, LIDAR, and then you have the middleware, so the compute layers, so CPUs, GPUs, and then you have what people define broadly as artificial intelligence, but generally the algorithms that are deriving information from that data. And I think what we see is that the sensors are getting better, the compute systems are getting better, and so this application layer is improving drastically. Um, and I think FreightWaves is an incredible example, which is that historically you've had all the siloed data. You've had weather data in one place and supply data in another, <coughs> and import data in another. And because they were all fragmented, nobody could use that data properly. And I think the thing we're probably most excited about today is companies like FreightWaves that are bringing all this information together so that we can have this more efficient ecosystem. Um, On the flip side, and I think something that's important to touch on a bit is in that efficiency, a lot of this technology does align with automation. And so we see a massive elimination of jobs in terms of what you were alluding to with truck drivers, for example. Um, So I guess, how do you think about (laughs) to what mobility will mean for the future in terms of the automation of jobs and how to support people through that transition? No, so it's... So I have a thesis that's focused on the industrialized West. I don't know if you and I have actually talked about this. Um, when we think about the company or the, the spatial regions that have moved the world for the last century, we think about the Detroits, the Pittsburghs, the uh, Stuttgart, Munichs, Wolfsburgs, the Tokyos. All of these regions share three really important attributes in my mind. They share incredible balance sheets today and industrial capacity, manufacturing capacity today. They have some pretty good strategy work that's gone on over the last decade. And they share an immense fear of what's about to happen. So all of these regions are incredibly well positioned to invest and to grow ecosystems that are creating the future of mobility, that are partnering with young entrepreneurial companies like yours that are here, but also to partner with the large corporations that are facilitating um, the supply chains of today and of the future. And so I believe strongly that to date we have seen entrepreneurial and capital sources on the coast. We've seen them in the San Francisco's and the Boston's and the Tel Aviv's, and we'll continue to see them there. Um, but, and then they've created product, and they brought it to the hinterland, 
and they come to Chattanooga and they come to Detroit and they say, look at what we have for you. Um, isn't it pretty? Don't you want to buy it? And there's great value in those entrepreneurial ecosystems, no doubt. Many of those companies are changing the world. But I believe we have an opportunity in the industrial Midwest or in the industrial West to create ecosystems that are self-fulfilling, virtuous cycles around capital, around manufacturing kind of partners and acquirers, around uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems, and most importantly, talent. And if we do that, if we not only have the capital based in those places, investing in companies that are local to these, these geographies, but also partnering with the best and brightest companies established and new around the world, I think that's something that's going to change the game when it comes to how do we, how do we win the day in the future of mobility? And, I, and that's something that I, as you know, I mean, it's, it's, I spent a lot of time thinking about this from a talent perspective, from a corporate engagement perspective. And so with that said, one thing I want to, have, want to speak to a little bit here is this new initiative that we've launched in Midtown. Um, for any of you Googling out there, 6001 Cast. This is the former Cadillac showplace in the 20s, 30s, 40s, where you would have Cadillacs come out in this unbelievable kind of Beaux Arts building. Um, this will be the Detroit Mobility Lab campus. We will have under one roof more OEMs, tier ones, entrepreneurs, investors, uh, you know, sovereign states looking to come to understand what is the future of mobility, who are the companies I should partner with, and that will have a brick-and-mortar uh, presence in this location. Um, this will be the new headquarters of the Detroit Mobility Lab. And we're going to be putting together this amazing uh, group of individuals and companies uh, from around the United States and around Europe. And I believe strongly over the next two to three years, this will be the premier node for mobility in the world. Um, we, certainly, we just recently announced, for those of you that are keeping up with Detroit, uh, Ford Motor Company has moved down to our, or the central train station, an unbelievable building in the Corktown neighborhood. Um, University of Michigan has announced a new uh, innovation center in downtown Detroit. To become the mobility city, which we hope to become, and I believe we will, it can't have just one node. But these are buildings that will be online you know, anywhere from two to three to four to five years from now. We'll be online in Q1 of next year. So this will be when people are coming from around the coast and around the country, the one place where they will always make sure to be. And we're excited about working with individuals across the world and across the United States and Europe with a focus, but around the world, uh, to make sure that BD sales, acquisitions, and entrepreneurial engagement is much easier than it's ever been within the freight tech and within the mobility space. And I, and I think it's, it's going to be exceptional to see that coming, come together. And I think probably the last question to make sure we... Uh, Summarizes well. We have to answer the question. Yeah, the question, yeah. which is more mobility, more problems. Yeah. So, as we think about this today, do you think, from a trajectory trajectory perspective, how do you feel about the direction we're going, inclusive of Detroit, but more broadly, which is, are we positioning people properly? And is there any anything else you want to leave the audience with around making sure that we're taking care of what's being left behind while also continuing to move forward? I mean, what I care about most is the continuation. I think, of the American ideal. And what I mean by that is we have, we have unbelievable companies in this, at this event, 100-year-old um, companies that are engaging in freight check across the board. We have young companies that were founded a month ago. How do we ensure that we continue to innovate and build the communities that are going to support our companies and our families in cities like Detroit, in cities like Chattanooga, in cities all across our country and on the coast, but in a way that's sustainable and forward-looking? Um, one of the things I love to do in my background is, you know, I'm a working class kid turned banker, turned U.S. Army officer, turned venture capitalist, turned nonprofit. Um, I'm not sure how this happened. I love blocking and tackling. 
And so we are going to block and tackle and build amazing ecosystems in our country and around the West. And I'm excited about doing that with anyone who believes in that message. How about you? Is, it, is more mobility more problems or not? <laughs> I, th I think that there's, a, there, there's plenty to resolve, but I think uh, it's nice seeing what folks like you are putting together. And I think that uh, we'll continue to see retraining and retooling. And it's not to say that it's going to be easy, uh, but I do think that technology will enable a level of efficiency, and hopefully we can include everybody in that. Um, but to your point, it's a multi-decade process, so we just need to be, make sure to be diligent of it. And thank you to Freight Waves. Thank you to Craig. I'm curious whether he'll be wearing a ball cap uh, when he comes on stage in a moment. Thank you. <laughs>